Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what's up, everybody? Coming at you a little bit delirious. We've been burning the candle at both ends, going to bed late, and I'd say maybe particularly this morning, we've gotten up, or we got up very early to go try and find a bear, because at this point, the gloves are off. I've got sitting with me here in bear camp at the Staten Cabin, Dan Staten, elk shape. I'll have you introduce yourself here in a second. Eric Barber, my partner in crime on this trip, slash still photographer, slash videographer. We're we're collecting content. Yes. Got uh, Tim. We'll have him talk about himself, because he's a lot of Got a lot of pretty rad stuff going on, and like I already said, Dan Staten, and like I already said, I'm a little bit delirious right now. So, we're in bear camp. It's awesome. We've been charging it a little bit skinny on the bears. But before we get into that, Tim, you're to my left. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you got going on, how you ended up here today, and uh, we'll go from there. What's up, everybody? My name is Tim Connor. I'm a golf coach out of Spokane, Washington, and that's how I hooked up with Dan. Not because I'm teaching him golf. I met him in Spokane. We've never hooked up, by the way. I just <laughs> want to make that really clear. Yeah. Anyway, met Dan through Spokane, met him through CrossFit, met him through his podcast, and my hobbies are hunting, being outdoors, and I recently got into videography and just shooting photos. I'm trying to build my own digital brand through the golf industry, so I picked up a camera and ran with it, and I try to get as many reps in as I can. And I'm just here to hang out. I've actually got one bear down and shoot video and hang out with these guys and uh, soak up bear camp. Sweet, man. Dan, for those who may not be familiar, who have been living under that giant rock, let's see what, let's, let's give them some insight, a little window into Mr. Dan Staten. Yeah. Well, my dad and I have this cabin uh, in Idaho and we're super fortunate to have it. I mean, we're not roughing it. Everyone's taking showers every day. We're eating awesome food. And we're out just humping the hills looking for bears. And in this area, I do elk hunt uh, periodically. And it's really nice to have at least many guys out to help kind of knock down bears. We'll get into that a little bit. But as far as elk shape goes, it is. it took a while for me to like understand what my brand was, which may sound weird. But it just took a while for me to kind of like click one day and be like, oh, elk shape's not really about working out at all. It's about leveraging our hobbies, as Tim called it, but me, hunting's way more than a hobby. It's like kind of my life. But leveraging hunting to make yourself a better version, a better man, a better woman. And so there's nothing better for me. There's nothing more motivating than elk hunting to make me wake up early and train, to make me dial in my nutrition so I can do this for well into my retirement, to make me put down the phone and engage with my family because it's not hunting season and I need to devote as much energy to them as possible. Uh, so somewhere along the line, elk shape became just kind of this lifestyle where you're blessed to be an elk hunter. You're fortunate. And you can take advantage of that and leverage it to have a better outcome in life with your finances, with your discipline, with your delayed gratification, with everything. And then hopefully kill more elk too and fill your freezer with the best meat on, on planet Earth. But that's a little bit about elk shape. And so... We're just kind of a digital brand, and we promote a lot of things that I just talked about, and we have things that we're interested in, and ultimately, it's just inspiring people to be better than where they're at right now. 
Awesome. We need some inspiration on bear hunting, though. We it's do. not bear shape. My name's not bear shape. I suck at bear hunting in 2019. It's It's been a rough season, man. Hashtag disagree, because you've been putting in a ton of work, and I think we are just, we're yet, we're yet to reap. We're due. The benefits, we're due. And actually, I was remiss, so we've got Rod, your dad here. Yeah. Who you brought up, who's been a number one awesome dude, cooking amazing dinners at night. Eric and I were trying to figure out what we'd do. Around 7 p.m., the conversation just parts away from bear hunting and starts to speculating about what's for dinner. Yeah, what's Rod got What's Rod got going yep, on? That's and awesome. And in a little teaser, we've got Bryce out here with us, and he's not on the headphones, but he will probably shortly be on the headphones of the Elk Shape podcast. And so you can probably hear a little bit more from him and his experiences on the Elk Shape podcast. So we'll plug that. But... Gosh, Dan, you started talking about elk shape, and like I was like, I'm super intrigued by that, and I'm thinking I want to talk about bear hunting. Now all I want to talk about is elk hunting and elk shape and what you have going on and learn from that, but maybe we can, maybe I just need to tune into the elk shape podcast more so oh, yeah. I can get that info. Well, no, I mean, I'm always down to talk about elk hunting over bear hunting, but the reason why I hit bear hunting so hard is I I have no doubts that they're, they're pretty hard on elk. Um, it doesn't take a biologist to tell you that, okay, well, You've seen it firsthand. The elk are literally calving in prime bear country. And that's the elk follow the green up as it melts. And as we found out yesterday, there's still some snow melting. So the green's going to be really good in there. And that's where the cows are. That's where they're at right now to drop. And that just gives their offspring the best chance Mm -hmm. to make her. And a bear's nose is unbelievable, right? Like way better than a whitetail, which is hard. Way better than uh, a bloodhound. I don't know the stats on their receptor sites for their nostrils, but their olfactory is number one. They have several. They <laughs> yeah. have more than we do. They do. And they smell, like, I've heard people say they tell time in scent. Like, they just, they live in a world of smell. Like, that's how they, they, how they roll. And, I mean, they're opportunists. They're omnivore. I've witnessed them eat grass, plants, bugs, worms, flip rocks, but... At the end of the day, they'll take anything they can get. And veal is pretty handy when you're just cruising along. You're like, oh, what's that? Oh, that is a calf. Yep. And it's just, I think it's in their, their just instincts to just kill it in two seconds and have some fresh meat and get a little protein source. And bears have been out for over a month now. Yep. Their, their GI tract, their digestive system is ready for protein. So it's just a no-brainer. Um, we're in an area where, and there's a, quite a few of these units in Idaho where the fishing game understands that, and they want to give bears a chance to die, mm-hmm. and they want hunters to help with that because hunters are going to help manage it. So yep. they have reduced bear tags for non-residents to bear tags in the spring, over the counter. It's just a great opportunity, and so I want people to perk up and be like, "What OTC two tags reduced Hunting price? Big game in June? Yeah, I mean you're not going to do that." Where we're from, you know? No, I mean, you bring up a lot of really cool points about, you know, this spring bear hunt in particular. Like, I mean, Idaho really is very welcoming to out-of-state hunters when it comes to the spring bear hunt. And you've got, like you said, you got reduced price tags. I think, Eric, what we bought tags, so we had to buy a hunting license. It's like a buck sixty, like a, like a general yep. hunting license. But then the bear tag was $40? Yep. You know, so, I mean, I, $200 I, don't, I, I don't know what out of state tag, I don't care, species, state, whatever, that you're going to get into for that kind of money 
where, and like you said, dude, you're hunting big game in the spring. Yep. Everybody's got cabin fever this time of year. Everybody wants to get outside, get some exercise, get some fresh air. Like you said, and uh, be in the mountains. Be in the mountains. You made me think about when you're talking about the the predation. This morning we were out and we saw that mule deer doe with mm-hmm. that fresh, fresh fawn. I mean, you know, I mean, those once they get moving, you know, once they get a few days under their belt, you know, they're pretty spry. But man, if a bear came across that one this morning, I think that thing was still wet, honestly. Yeah. And it would have been easy pickings. Like it's just not gonna. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna make it, you know. And I'd be curious to know. It's something to I'd like to actually chat with somebody about it, and or maybe you guys even have insight into it. Like I'd be curious to know research data that exists on like elk and you know elk calf and and deer fawn predation by by black bears in the state because Idaho is definitely pretty. They they appear to be pretty aggressive with their um, predator management, you know. Yeah, it's not a recent thing. There was several years ago where we didn't have reduced bear tags up here or anywhere in surrounding northern idaho but down in the selway for years they've had the the two bear thing yeah um and i don't know what whose research i can't quote it i can't look into it but i've heard that it's they just finally figured it out that bears were opportunists you know yeah and this was kind of like that pre-wolf era like there were some maybe a few wolves in here mm-hmm. but not like they are now where they're pretty established mm-hmm. uh but i was in the tree stand three nights ago and i've been seeing the same doe come out go right to this weird high grassy area, hang out for a little bit, and then go feed off. Yep. And I'm like, I wonder if she dropped a little Bambi in there. And then two nights later, two different coyotes ran her out of there, and then they just were gritting that area. And I was like, man, I'm going to witness a fawn get eaten. I don't want to see this. Just because it's a dichotomy as a hunter, right? Like, I want to shoot the biggest buck ever. But, you mm-hmm. know, we both were like, oh, look at the Bambi today. Like, I we know. were, like, <laughs> pathetic. But that's that's what hunting is, man. We really care about these animals. And I never those coyotes never did find it, but I'm pretty sure that's what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Then they're just opportunists as well. So when you really, like, look at, okay, we have lots of mountain lions here. We have coyotes. We definitely have a lot of wolves. And we have bears. Sometimes it just makes you scratch your head. Like, how do these ungulates even have a chance? Right. So I really don't feel bad shooting two bears and getting all you guys to try Mm -hmm. to fill two bear tags. My justification on this, just in my experience, is that in Idaho, you can get your bears aged. It takes them about two years to turn around. Mm -hmm. But you pull the milk tooth. They give you a number. If you hold on to that, eventually you can look that number up and get the age. Which is pretty cool. Their best guess. Mm -hmm. And we've had bears come back in their 20s. Amazing. And so if you think about a bear living in their 20s, and then most sows seem to have at least two cubs. And I don't know how long, if the cubs always make it because boars kill cubs when we get into that, but a lot of cubs seem to be making it. So you have a lot of animals Mm -hmm. living and reproducing really well and living a long time. We all get excited about a four and a half, five and a half year old whitetail. Yeah. Man, that's a baby bear yeah you know what i mean so it's just interesting to me how long bears live and stuff and that idaho's figured it out like you know what we can't get rid of bears we can't even like put a dent so let's get hunters over here to help and uh, i'm hoping other states will follow suit and manage their bear populations so we can have a little bit of balance and make some great money for the state you know how much money have we spent on groceries gas tags right all that stuff yep. like yeah. we've Travel. pumped some money in, oh we've pumped some money in this economy and we've supported conservation yep and we're trying to help some ungulates out it's a win-win 
and you're getting a full freezer of meat too. I mean, yep. like I yeah. think that's another important thing to mention there too is like not only are you kind of doing your part in predator management, but I mean, I think it was you, Tim, that were talking about bear ribs and like there's, you know, that's one, just one example of a recipe that you can, you know, make using bear meat and not to, and that's a pretty off the wall one. So like it, there's tons of opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was super stoked on getting a bear down. He came out this spring as well and was able to harvest one. But as I grow older, I realize how much my dad really, truly cherishes wild game. And it's very cool. Like his eyes light up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I'm going to stack up wild game for you. There's elk. Below elk, there's bear. Below bear, there's venison. And then the rest of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And he grew up in the Midwest. So that's kind of what his experience has been. But bear is a high quality meat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I hear stories where people talk about it. Like, oh, bear's greasy. Bear's less than great. And obviously there are experiences where a person could grab one off the trash and it might not be great. But I think if you're getting a bear that's coming out of the mountains, coming out of fresh grass feed, they're good eating. Yeah. Yep. I hear this is a spring hunt, but I hear, and I've, I've, uh, shot a handful of bears, but they've all been spring bears. But you talk to those guys that are hunting bears, like in the fall up high in the berries, like my, uh, one buddy, uh, I got a couple buddies that do that, but Joey Pyburn, that's his wife's favorite wild game. This really? fall bear in the, from the high country eat, that's been eaten on the berries. Like, I've, I've heard the Hands same. down. Like, she's just like, you know, deer, elk, whatever. Like, she likes those fall Those bears. are Washington bears that he's killing. Mm-hmm. And Washington just had a survey for um, all the hunters that could take it. And it was like, do you feel favorably well or against the idea of us allowing two bears? Mm-hmm. I would assume, like on the same side of the state, Washington divides east and west. Mm-hmm. Right. And so technically it is a two-bear state right now, but you have to kill one on the east side and then the west side, and the Cascades being the dividing line. And the Cascades run all the way from, gosh, Oregon, what, up through Canada? Mm-hmm. So I think what they meant was, like, you can kill two bears on the east side mm-hmm. instead of having to travel over. And then they also said opening up statewide August 1st. Because a lot of the hunts take place August 1st near the Cascades. Yep. And I think a lot of Washington guys would be mad at me for campaigning this, but literally one of the best hunts you could do. You're going to be hunting in the Cascades August 1st, up really high where the huckleberries are just coming in, and you're going to smash a bear that's been feeding on huckleberries for for a month straight, and you'll be in some amazing backcountry, but you'll never get higher than six and a half, seven thousand 7,000 feet. It's, it's an unbelievable hunt, and it's fairly affordable yeah so there's that hunt but if they move that down to august 1st i'll be able to hunt near my hometown of spokane Mm -hmm. and all of northern northeastern washington august 1st that's nothing but huckleberries as well Mm -hmm. so that would really open up because right now our opener is august 15th and i'm usually gone antelope hunting but i'm not antelope hunting august 1 so i'd really love to see that come through so that's on the ballot that should come through we live in a state where the i-5 corridor kind of dictates who's our governor all our laws and it's it's a pretty liberal state and mm-hmm. so we've had we've seen hound hunting go away we've mm-hmm. seen baiting for bears go away hound hunting for mountain lions go away mm-hmm. and you know it, it is a death of a thousand cuts and so once those things go away generally speaking you do not get them back yeah. Yeah. so this is kind of a what really i think you guys are understanding that we do have well washington state has the most bears in the lower 48 mm-hmm. wow. it's just crazy wow. it's not that big of a state no but 
So it's nice to see Washington kind of pull through for once. We'll see if that actually goes through. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that's exciting for me because I'd really like to get a Huckleberry Bear yeah. on my side of the state. Yeah. Well, it's just, and, you know, by just shifting it just a few days, you know, you got a pretty packed schedule, right? And a lot of, you know, different, like you said, you want to antelope hunt. You want to, uh, I think you've elk hunted before. A little bit. <laughs> that's sarcasm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, talk, you're creating another opportunity, you yeah. know, in your hunt schedule. So, uh, super cool. And so, yeah, I mean, so we're talking about Washington there as far as, you know, kind of overtime losing uh, the hound hunting, losing the baiting. In contrast, where we're at now in Idaho, a lot of versatility as far as how a person might want to pursue bears. And, in fact, we've been implementing, I guess, aside from hound hunting, a lot of those this yes. trip. So maybe, Dan, let's dive into a little bit about what we've been, how we've been pursuing these bears. And then what I really want to talk about, maybe, you know, in depth, is the baiting side. Because you've been at this for six weeks now? Yes. So six, six weeks and a lot of work, a lot of travel. Like, I want to, I want to dive into that. And maybe... So, and I should, I should have known better. I should have known better. And, you know, this is like, I guess, shame on me for having pre- preconceived notions. And I should have known better because we did the same hunt last year. And uh, for whatever reason in my head, I'm like, you know what? That was a fluke. We're going to get out here. Dan's got these baits going. going. It's going to be fish in, the, fish in a barrel. Yeah. We got this on lock. And uh, again, humbled. Mm-hmm. So let's, yeah. but you can, since you've been up here doing it and have done this a little heck of a lot more than I have, maybe dive into like your program and what you got going on up here as far as how you're doing this. Well, I, I'm up for suggestions on my program because <laughs> it's not working <laughs> as good as I've had in the past. So I haven't killed a bear over bait in I think five years. I, I've killed bears spot and stock the last five years consistently. And I haven't killed a ton of bears, but I'm definitely way over double-digit bears killed. And I've been bear hunting since 2008. So just over 10 years. And the reason why I've killed a lot of bears is that Idaho lets you get two bear tags. And so there was a handful of years where I was getting two in the spring, and then sometimes I'd kill one in Washington. So I'd have like a three-bear year. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? So I've stacked a lot of bears. And just as of lately, I've noticed that, okay, if you want to kill one over bait, it's no guarantee unless you pretty much have like 10 days straight to work your baits over and over and over. And then you still got to get lucky to some degree. And then you have to have an incredible setup. And in yep. order to know if that setup is good, you kind of have to hunt it a few times and then possibly make adjustments. Yep. There's a lot of different wind dynamics going in. Like, some saddles, the wind will just go up no matter what. Some saddles, it's just going to swirl or swirl certain parts of the day. Some areas is so prototypical thermals that it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just learning the art of the wind in that particular area you're in. Because guess who does know the art? The bears. Yep. And they'll never make a mistake. Like They'll always do things by the book. They're always going to circle a bait. Yep. Not just to see if you're there, but to see if there's another bear there. There's definitely a hierarchy of bear going around here. And bears are not nice to other bears, Mm -hmm. period, because it's survival of the fittest. So what I would say what you got going on this week is, yeah, like we started April 20th. We've put out, me and a couple buddies, the Arenos, my good friends, we've agreed to be good on a bear baiting program. And so we got our bait permits for $30. You get three. Mm -hmm. And they got three. So we have six bait tags. We've got six baits out. We've actually condensed it down to five. And in order for anyone to touch bait, 
like literally just be able to touch bait and put it in a bait, you have to have a bait tag. And uh, so I had Mark buy a bait tag yep. just so in case. And you haven't baited once, but I just wanted to dot I's cross T's. Right. It's 30 bucks. Absolutely. Yep. You know what I mean? Nice little insurance policy. It is. And so you want to, you just want to play the game correctly. And then so what we've done is we set up a program where we, we're all working, guys. Most of us are married. It's just you kind of have a finite number of time. But what we've done is we'll get up here on the weekend, and at some point we'll get all the baits baited. Mm -hmm. We like to put trail cameras on them, especially trail cameras that work, don't run out of battery or do weird things like some do. It, definitely in a bear box because bears are fascinated by those things. Your scent is on there no matter what you do. They'll always mess with it. you got to have them in a bear box. Once we bait, we usually just let it settle, and then we always come up midweek. We come up like on a Wednesday after work, and we don't get home till about midnight. And Man. we've done that for six weeks straight. We've killed two bears, and by we, I mean my dad's killed one, and my other buddy Mike's killed one. And that's it out of you know the four of us. Mm -hmm. And those are both rifle guys, and we've set those up pretty good. And the other ones have just been a struggle bus. Been a, it's been a struggle. And the reason why is just because you know when you're bow hunting, usually it's in a tree stand, you're in there, the wind can swirl, the bears can camp out mm -hmm. several hundred yards away, and it's a fascinating thing where they know you're there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then once you've established a bait site, all of a sudden there'll be bear tunnels, as you call them, Mark, yep. and they'll start establishing these circle routes. Yeah. And you'll never hear them, but they'll circle the bait and get cover it. So it's really hard to shoot a mature boar over bait, which is really what I'm after. I'm right. And the other thing too, like, you know, I think people might hear that and think, okay, you know, th these people are, you know, taking some time off work or, or after work and they're putting the bait out, whatever, you know, whatever, drive up, dump the bait. It's not that it's, you know, get to the cabin, load up the four wheeler, this, that, the other, make sure everything's strapped in, drive up the mountain, dump the four wheeler, put the four wheeler up the mountain, go 10 miles back, bring the bait in. Like it is a, a process. It's a lot of work for the hunting this week has been tough, but it's a lot of, it's not as easy as people might think, you know, it's not as simple as dumping out a, a bottle or a bag of donuts and watching a bear come in. I mean, I think there's some outfitters up the river here that crush it. Mm -hmm. When I saw them at the fishing game, when I was getting my tags this year, they, they had like 60 bait permits in yeah. their hand. Cause they just, and I've actually hunted with these guys. I learned a lot from them and they kill a couple of bears every week, yeah. uh, but they live up here in the woods and they have a very cool structured program where they have however many hands on deck, they go through and hit all their bait stations in the morning and all the baits are fed. Yep. Uh, and then they take their hunters in about four or five o'clock and they drop them off and drive out. So mm -hmm. the bears here, a wheeler come in and come out. They also cook a little honey. Yep which creates a lot of smoke in the air and really gets the scent, mm -hmm. which is kind of like their dinner bell, if you yeah. will. And they put a lot of anise rags. That, that I think that's how you pronounce it, yep. but that mm -hmm. licorice. Yep. They'll put those on rags and get that in the air, and they'll leave. Mm -hmm. And then the hunter will stay there and hunt till dark. And they do that you know, day after day after yeah. day. And they're further up the, uh, the particular area we're at. They're in a lot more remote country. Mm -hmm. We're in a heavily logged area, yep. so... I think there's just a lot more pressure on these bears, so they're pretty nocturnal. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a great challenge. It's yeah. a great it's a fun challenge. And then you guys are probably here a little too late for like spot and stock, mm -hmm. as we found out all week. Because we yeah. our program's been this. Look, most bears come in the evenings. We all can agree on that. Like they come in the yep. evenings. We're not going to squander a full day. So we've been out 
into awesome glassing points, knobs, looking five, six miles behind the vortex optics, just like glassing, glassing. Yeah. I haven't seen a bear. Have you? Nope. Have you? Nope. And we've seen, but we've seen everything else. Seen some moose. If we've you seen had been elk. here a month ago, when the feed is very concentrated on these mountains, right. and there's still a lot of snow, yeah. it would be how many bears did you see today? Because right. a month ago, I was seeing bears every time I went out. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, that time of year, it's it's whether or not seeing a bear is really not that hard. It's can you get to that bear to get a shot in time? Because mm-hmm. bears are always on the move. And this is oh. unforgiving terrain. Describe it, because people will say that about where they hunt, but like I will campaign that this is some of the steepest country out there. Yeah, I was, was going to say steep. Like where we were yesterday, and I crawled down in that hole last year, but, I mean, it's almost like I don't know step you, off a cliff yeah. steep. Like, And that was even when I went down in there, like kind of came off this nose, and it's like steeper, steeper, steeper. And then when it got to the creek, closer to the creek, I was like, I don't know, like, I think I can get back up this. Like, there's, you know, it was a clear cut, so there was, you know, it's some handholds, but, like, I was literally, like, double trekking poles and grabbing onto stuff t- to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, it is almost a cliff. Yeah, and it's real rocky in certain spots and brushed out, mm-hmm. and uh, it's so deceiving when you're in a canyon and you're looking across and you're like, yeah. oh, sweet, that's really wide open, like, is that just a little bit of brush in there? And then mm-hmm. when you're over there, mm-hmm. you can barely even penetrate the alders. And well, you're like, I thought this was open. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what you're seeing. I mean, it's almost, it's so sheer. You're seeing just into these little pockets where almost like the tops of the trees below the pocket are like, that's the tippy top of the tree. And then you're seeing above those pockets is where the next trees start, but they're Mm -hmm. growing very vertical. And when you're, if you're going to spot a bear in this country in, I'd say in, in most or a lot of the places you're glassing cross Canyon. So you either have the capability to shoot across the Canyon and then go get that bear, or you're going to have to get across the Canyon and then go try and shoot. So I'm not much of a rifle guy. I think you know that, but what is your setup? Because you look like I say, I saw your chart on your gun Mm -hmm. and We've taken you to areas that have favored your strength of, okay, I just need to have a good rest, lay prone, mm-hmm. take my time, and I can shoot at this distance. And it's just a matter. It's pretty cool to hunt with someone like that because then it's just like, okay, we just got to find the right bear, mm-hmm. and which we haven't found the right bear yet. Um, but what is your setup? So the setup that we've got for this hunt here, uh, Eric and I have been sharing a gun. It's actually it's a, it's a scope that doesn't exist yet, but it's set up to use ballistic data that you've gathered. Um, and we can dip into that here real quick. But, you know, and then you're going to dial or turn your elevation turret to compensate for the drop of your bullet as it passes through the air. So... The gun, it's actually, it's a Nosler. It's a 28 Nosler, so it's a pretty high step in cartridge, super fast, extremely flat. It's pushing a 175 grain Acubond LR, I think. Uh, it's either an Acubond or Acubond LR, uh, which is, you know, a good size pill. Um, I actually, I shot a bear with that same rifle mid-May up in Alaska this year, and like it worked just like fabulously. So flat cartridge, good size pill, and then before the hunt, uh, went through the process, and you know, ultimately, it's you know fairly simple process. You're you're inputting different data points into a ballistic calculator. There's a lot of great ballistic calculators out there. Ryan in the office, he really likes iSnipe. Uh, there's Shooter. There's there's a lot of different ballistics calculator. Ultimately, there's differences, but they there's 
things that maybe one person might like, you know, versus uh, another as far as, you know, how they ultimately work or, or the information they're giving. So you input these data points, velocity, if you have a really good chronograph, that can expedite your process of creating a really good uh, spot on dope chart. So you got your velocity, the ballistic coefficient of the bullet, which is essentially a number assigned to the bullet that denotes how efficiently it passes through the air. The bullet weight, you know, this, that, the other, and, and then ultimately, you know, it spits out a drop chart. And so how you would use that drop chart is uh, you'd want to uh, range, you know, the animal or the target or whatever you're trying to uh, shoot, preferably with a Vortex rangefinder like the Razer HD 4000. Which soft we've been, plug. Yeah, soft plug. When does that come out? That's a hard... It is out. It is out and about, and I'm crazy stoked on that thing. I know this is going to sound like a Vortex infomercial. We soft try not plug. to do that, but way excited about that. Like, I'm still... We introduced it, what, a couple months ago, something like that, and uh, of course, who knows when somebody's going to listen to this, but... Is that, um, is that what I was glassing through? Yes. Yeah, it's really good, honestly, and I have another brand that's a good brand, and uh, those things are like looking through a high def TV. Oh, I think you're and talking about the new vinyls that top secret don't ones exist. Anyway, there's stuff that's out, and there's top secret ones, and whatever's going on, they're like looking through HD. They're really nice. Cool. Yeah, they're thank, costing you money. You, I yeah. think your stuff's going on eBay here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, while we're on the rangefinder, I'm like um, kind of a snob on rangefinders. I'll say this delicately: like, haven't been super stoked on what you guys have pumped out on rangefinders. Appreciate your um, honesty. <laughs> I, I haven't. And I've used all the rangefinders. And I've been bow hunting since 2001. And I even used to make my own cut charts because there wasn't any sort of inclometer in a rangefinder. I'd, like, I'd glue an inclometer onto my rangefinder and I would make my own cut charts. It's crazy. That's wild. Uh, that's, that's kind of back in the day. So when I got my hands on this one, the very first thing is the ergonomics on it. Like it's just it fits right in your hand. I don't know what the moldings on there. I don't know what you guys have as far as in there, but it fits awesome. The next thing is it's got a red dot that pops up super fast and it feeds you an accurate score with a decimal point. That's mm-hmm. legit. Yeah, so, you got point ones out to 200 yards. So Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably always have a decimal because I'm a bow hunter yep. pretty much primarily. So it's super fast and ergonomics are legit, but ultimately the glass inside of it, I don't know what you guys did, but it gives you a super clear picture and you hit it out of the park. Like this will probably be the greatest thing you guys have done, in my opinion, in the last few years. Like, so this is a game changer. I think everybody will probably get their hands on that and be able to test it out and go, okay, I see what Dan's talking about. So, yeah, so the range is super important up here. The elevation, did you shoot your gun through a chrono? We did, yeah. Okay, so all that stuff, you nerded out, you got your chart, that's your set. We feel pretty confident out to a pretty gross distance, so... I like to get as close as possible on bears. Absolutely. Like, I really do. And I don't recommend, at least in my opinion, seeing guys shoot them. I don't recommend shooting through the shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of vitals up tight on a yep. bear. In fact, you'll hear me say middle of the middle to, like, a lot of my archery buddies if they're shooting from a tree stand or getting in close is aim for the middle of the middle of the bear or slightly towards the shoulder, but just you don't tuck it tight to the shoulder on bears. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to like force yourself to do that until you've killed a few bears that way and you see them only go literally 20 yards with mm-hmm. an arrow through them. 
and you're like, oh my gosh, that was fast. And that's the kind of death that you want on any animal that you kill. Yeah. Uh, you want it a lot faster than them dying a slow death of starvation or injury or whatever, you know. Yeah. All bears die. Yeah. We just want, if we're the ones making that happen, want it to be really quick. Yeah, as quick and humane as possible. Absolutely. Sure. And that's always the goal, right? Yeah. You know? So that's how you do it on bears, middle of the middle. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you know, and that's good information to know. You know, every animal has a little bit different anatomy traits. You know? I love quartering away on bears. Yeah. Love that shot. Broadside's fine. I wouldn't, I personally would avoid those frontal shots. I would avoid quartering two. Yeah. But I also say the same about elk. Have I made those shots on elk and bear? Yes. I'm just telling you, past experiences, I like high percentage stuff. And the higher percentage is with the broadside quarter in a way. Yep. It, it is really interesting to break down that anatomy because, like, when you look, I mean, if you're someone who's familiar with elk or, you know, ungulates, deer, whatever, you know, you, they kind of have that deeper chest and, and it's easy to visualize where everything sits. And if that's what you're familiar with, and all of a sudden now you're comparing to a black bear where mm-hmm. they're really, you know, pot bellied and, you know, round and kind of hunched, like, and they get in weird positions. You know, they'll be sitting, they'll be laying down, they'll be standing up. So there's a, you know, not only does the anatomy change a ton, but also your possibility for any kind of different shot placements. Yeah. I think that's so important what you just said there. Bears are never really like a deer standing up, walking, stopping, standing broadside. Bears are usually moving quite a bit, sitting, like they're always getting into stuff. Mm-hmm. They're always in different positions and postures. And all, not their gates are very different mm-hmm. based on the bear size. And all bears are really different. Like some are short bears. They yep. just have short limbs. Some mm-hmm. bears are long bears and long necks, short neck. They're very like people as far as they just vary mm-hmm. on what you're looking at. And I wanted to go back to kind of one thing we talked about, the bait that I would promote baiting is that you have time to do the impossible, which is judge a bear. Mm-hmm. Bears are mm-hmm. damn near impossible to judge. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's taken me a long time, and I still can get fooled really easily, especially when sows get really, really big and yeah. old. They get hard to judge. Yeah. But generally speaking, you can tell that front end is just smaller, mm-hmm. smaller structure in the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. You can see an angle where there, whereas in a boar is just a drop belly mm-hmm. that goes all the way through the shoulder. Whereas you can kind of see an angle going up to the wider hips on a sow. Thing about a rifle and what we're trying to do is that it's really not a good idea to just jump on the gun on a bear right away. You see a bear cross can, you just get up, set up, and you're, you pull the trigger. That's probably not best because some sows give birth in the den. Yeah. And so what comes out is the cutest little you want to cuddle with cubs yeah. that are just like literally that small and they blend in so well in mm-hmm. the grass. And case in point this year, I made a, I saw an awesome bear climbing up out of a rainstorm, storm mm-hmm. stopped 500 yards away, coming up onto a flat. I'm gone. I dive down, I cross the little river Creek, mm-hmm. come back up, wind in my face. I get to 74 that bear's just feeding, and I'm like pretty stoked. I'm like, the wind's in my face. Yeah. I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna go sneak up. And then I see these little cubs go running around right by her, and I'm like, okay, that did not look like a sow that far away. And had I never saw the, the cubs when I was across Canyon, I glassed them, glassed her for at least 15 minutes, never saw them. So baiting really gives you an opportunity to know if it's a sow. Yeah. And if a sow comes into your bait with cubs, you'll know it. 
she'll never stop making noise. She'll make all the bear noises, and she's super nervous for a good reason. She's teaching her young that, hey, this is... They probably know it's not a natural food source. Right. There could be potential danger not only by man or whatever or us, but other bears in the area. Right. And boars will kill cubs to get them to go into heat. So a sow, I've never seen a sow come into the bait chill. No. Like, and they rarely even feed. Like, they'll, like, just be circling the whole time while their cubs are feeding. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. And that allows you not to shoot that sow. I had one come in last night. And how I, I never saw her, but I could just hear the ruckus that she yeah. was. And she actually smelled me, so they never came in. But she circled me for about 15 mm-hmm. minutes, and I could hear her cubs all around me. But she made every noise pop, click, moan, hmm. uh, some diaphragmatic breaths that were just powerful. Gave me shivers. Yeah. And they ended up jamming out. But judging bears really hard, really ethical as far as if you want to make an argument. Mm-hmm. And look, man... Hunting bears is not a slob thing. Like right. if you're like thumb your nose at a guy who baits, like I, you know, I've done that with other people with yeah. deer and stuff. Yeah. Oh, you bait for deer. It's right. like, oh, that's like an asterisk or a caveat. Mm-hmm. No, like it's not slob. It's just one method to ensure that you're not shooting sows yeah. and that you're actually taking only boars. Yep. And it's not easy because we've on day five or six now and none of us have killed a bear. No. Yeah. And we've sat baits a ton in the evening. Oh, and man. there's bears, like we have cameras, and there's bears hitting those baits, you know? Yeah. And the, on, yeah. The, on the daily. On the daily. Eric, we just, I, or what are you going to say, Eric? Well, we just pulled, you pulled that card this morning, and you had a bear on it. And that's a bait that we have sat twice now. Mm-hmm. And now the, the, this is something I wanted to hit on earlier when you were talking about wind and all that stuff. Like, that bear is clearly in that area. And we've spent, I think, a total of probably between 10 to 12 hours overlooking that bait, watching that area, like just honed in on it. From afar. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Rifle hunting, cross Canyon. You know, we're not even on that, that bear's playing field where there's literally a Canyon separating us and we haven't seen that thing. So what is, what interests me so much is like that bear is probably in that area, but it's probably just in a spot where all the thermals are sucking right down to it. The wind 100%. is in its, in its face. And, and that, that's a thing with this country, you know, you might see, you might feel the wind doing one thing at where you are, but then over at the bait, it's doing something totally different that is working in the bear's favor. Yeah. So not only do you need to master getting your bait set up and all that, but you need to figure out where you need to be located, where that wind is not only going to work well for your location, but work against where that bear is located and not get in its face. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. I... I spent a lot of time at my bait and my bait was getting hit consistently, mm-hmm. consistently. And, uh, I got to give a shout out to Dan cause I called him and just had a conversation with him. Like, Hey dude, I need to bounce ideas off of somebody. These bears are coming in every day. I sat twice, no bears or mm-hmm. three times or whatever. It was like three or four days in a row. Cause I was trying to get it done before I came down here. And he just gave me a couple ideas. We talked about the thermals. I'm like, well, I thought about the thermals. I'll go in after that. That's a really good idea. And then he's like, mask your scent with this uh, anise oil or anise or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And sure enough, that day I went in, I boiled honey. You had, waited for the thermals to switch. I waited for the thermals so to switch. So you got in two hours later than normal. Yep. I parked a little further back just to be sure. I don't know if that helped or not, but it was a windy day. I parked further back. I hiked in further. I boiled honey when I got there. And I had a two-bear experience. Yeah. I don't know if you want to get into that or not, but... I had a bear come down the trail while I was burning honey, and yeah. uh, that's the most vulnerable I've ever felt in the woods. 
And then after that happened, I got up in the stand, a little shaken up. But How close uh, did that bear get to you while you were on the ground? Like eight to ten yards. It was peeking its head out from a tree. I was below it, and it saw the honey burning. And when it saw the honey burning, it was like two yards from the honey, and it whirled. And I had my bow at full draw, and I was ready to shoot the bear in self-defense, really. That's what I felt like. Hmm. And it probably wasn't self-defense, but all I could think was, I'm below the bear. The bear's going to run downhill if I shoot it. I'm going to have to dodge the bear. Or yeah. that, that, that's, a, that's a chance. Yeah. Or I'm going to spook the bear or whatever. But the bear world, I didn't get a shot. Uh, life was fine. It went on. And I got up in the stand and I waited it out. And uh, sure enough, I had a big bear come crashing down the hill like an hour and a half later. And yeah, I mean, the only thing I changed that day was I changed some variables. I got in after the wind changed. I added some scent to mask mine. And I got it done. And uh, yeah, I just got to, yeah. I was lucky to to get that information from Dan. And it, it worked out to be my first bear. So it was very that's, cool. Yeah. That's so cool. That's one thing that's become like so apparent to me about the bait hunting is there's, it's just this really cool game of cat and mouse and making adjustments. And like, I mean, you essentially made an adjustment to hunt less, right. to put in less exactly. time. But be smarter about it, I so you can be more super effective. Important. You know, yeah. yeah so, um, like, I think oftentimes we have a tendency, like, if it, which it works out a lot, right? You put, if you're in the woods, if you're putting for in more, more time, time, yeah, you're gonna, you know, increase your your opportunities. And I guess this is a scenario where not necessarily the case. Yeah. And yeah. it's all because of wind and thermals and understanding how that works, and you know, in your specific area, like what worked for you might not work just on the other side of the canyon. You know, sure. maybe then you want. The wind doing the exact opposite, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, so the game plan for tonight, like, Bryce has been here one full day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, shout out to the Backcountry e-bike guys. They yep. hooked us up mm -hmm. with four e-bikes. And we're talking about logging country and locked gates where no motorized vehicle, game changer. And so his first day here, I screwed up and I wrote him a detailed plan. And fortunately, like, so Bryce won this hunt off of Instagram and... I can't even tell you, like, he's in the room with us right now, but Bryce, thank God you are super cool because it would be a horrible bear camp if you had somebody who wasn't. Bryce is awesome, and he's the real deal. He's geared up, and he's, like, as serious as any of us about hunting. Super serious, and shout out to, like, being self-sufficient. And, like, this is our motto this trip. I think it's just my new motto. We'll figure it out. Yep. And we're just figuring it out. But you're like, dude, here's a map. And he's like, yeah, check. Got it. I'm yeah. good. Dude's legit. Yeah. He's got his inReach. He's got his cell phone. He's got his Onyx hunt. Got all his gear. His XO loaded down. And so I get him on this e-bike, and I wrote him like a game plan. I mm -hmm. said, in my game plan, I made a mistake. Like, I had him go check this one bait first. I had him, I drew a map where to glass this creek that had running water where we'd seen a lot of stumps pulled apart. Real obvious there's a bear in there. And then I told him about this other bait site that I basically set up just for a bow hunter with no tree stand Yeah, uh, off the ground set. And the only reason I set it like that is because I knew when I was in there, the thermals were ridiculous and mm -hmm. it's on a cut where it's nothing but old growth on the line. Yeah. And it's at a pinch point funnel where the animals just funnel down this finger and it's, it's money. And we've had it going for six weeks and I just showed him all the pictures and we still can't figure out how many different bears are hitting it. Like I'm thinking at least 10 different bears. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's some sow and cubs in that mix, but I told him to get in there at 6.30 p.m. and I was off on my calculations. He needed to get in there at about 7.15 
So when he went up there, the wind was still kind of fighting itself mm-hmm. and swirled a little, and his scent went into the dark timber, yep. and he didn't see a bear. Yep. Obviously not, because that's all it takes. We don't yep. know which bears camped up there 300 yards from the bait waiting to come down and get yep. some. So tonight, his game plan, we're going to get him back on the e-bike. He's going to go those three, four miles in there with all his gear, and he's going to glass where I showed him to glass until 7 o'clock, and then he's going to work his way over and then hike in slowly and slip in 20 yards on the ground from a bait with a bow, and the wind's going to be in his face. And I got a good feeling about it. So that's going to be exciting. And then tonight for you guys, you're going to go earlier in the day, which stinks. It's pretty hot right now, and there's not a lot of shade where you're going, but you're going to glass, I'd say, about four hundo from the bait. I think three to four. And then if when you see that beautiful chocolate, you're going to move in to probably... Well, how far is the shot from where you guys have your setup? So we can shoot from... There's there's two openings that you get a really good view of what's going on. And one is basically right at 200. And then the other one is like... It's kind of like a three to four gap, depending on where yeah. you set up. I would just glass as far as possible with the spotter or yep. those... I can't even say what those are, but the, those really good glass you brought. And then, uh, and then slip in. You'll have time. And I barricaded that bait like pretty, like way more than you did, Bryce. And so that bear's gonna have to work for a minute or two just to get in there. And that's gonna be a buy you enough Mm -hmm. time to get set up, get your pack out or whatever. Are you gonna shoot off uh, your, a bod pot? Like, what's your setup for shooting? So I always carry shooting sticks, no matter what the scenario, where the the way this one sets up, uh, we can get uh, prone on our packs. And it is like, rock rock solid i mean like we're almost like at the same level as the bait across the canyon so you're literally like i mean when you lay down flat you don't even need to get your uh rifle up on your pack even that high and you're just like i mean and it is it is rock steady but i always carry shooting sticks like when we went out this morning yeah went on a little hike and you just never know when you're gonna obviously you can't predict everything right and man just shooting sticks Man, I can't stress that enough. When you've got dynamic scenarios or things are happening fast, even if you have a bipod on your rifle, sometimes your bipod doesn't get you up as high. I mean, just adding a little bit of stability can mean, to me, it's a game-changing difference. So I already took an e-bike in tonight, uh, this morning while mm-hmm. we all had breakfast. I went in there on an e-bike, and I went and baited both those baits. They're behind locked gates. Mm. Uh, where you guys are hunting from, you don't need an e-bike. You'll be able to ride a four-wheeler to get across from that canyon. But if you were to bait it, you need an e-bike or yep. walk it in. And I did that early this morning just to get my scent in and out of there, pull cards, and now they're set. The bait is set. We don't have to put any scent in there. And then Bryce will delicately slip in. And then you guys will delicately slip in, yep. park a little further than normal, yeah. walk in a little bit further, and just slow yep. play it. And then my dad's set is about a 10-mile four-wheeler ride, and it's at a dead-end road. Mm-hmm. And then it's across a small saddle that's on the edge of an old cut with dark, mature timber. And the bears will come down that timber. And then the wind prevails there. And we know this spot, like dynamite, we've killed two bears off already. The, the bears do not have a chance. They cannot circle the shooter. It's just there's no cover for them to get away with a circle, and it's not convenient the way the topography is. The wind is so consistent in that spot. It does not swirl, and it prevails, and then when the thermals, quote, switch, the wind's already going the right way anyways. Yeah. It's a money setup. And then tonight, I will be one of two tree stands. I might go hunt the one close to my dad. I've moved that barrel three different times 
because I didn't, I could not figure out what mm-hmm. the wind wanted to do. And that spot's weird. It swirls. It's you got to get in there at seven thirty. Only a ninety minute sit, like we yep. talked about. Less is more. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the wind goes up at night there. Right. Figure I, that I, out. I, I don't know why. Yep. But it took me three different times moving the barrel, and now it's set to where yep. they're not going to get my wind. The other spot I was at last night, the sow got my wind, even though I smoked honey from the stand literally almost for four mm-hmm. hours. It didn't matter. And so if I were to hunt that spot, I'd get in there early today. I would take the tree stand completely down. I would move it over about 40 or 50 yards to where there's a thick alder field where the prevailing wind goes. It goes up at night as well there. Go mm-hmm. figure. And that bears the bears will not circle into that alder. Mm-hmm. And they have a bear trail already. They have two established bear trails. We call them hedgehog trails. <laughs> They're like, you wouldn't want to walk down and put right. the bears, cruise them. That's game over yep. if, if I did that. And I would have a... Uh, a high probability of shooting a bear off there tonight if I do that, but I'd have to move the stand. I will. Yep. I've sat it twice now. I haven't yep. seen a bear yet. I got daylight photos all day there when I'm not there. So obviously they're smelling me. Yeah. Right. So that's our plan for the night. I like that plan, you know, and, and just like what's so cool about this to me is like, it's just this game of cat and mouse and like what's going to work good or hopefully good for Bryce tonight. Like he's actually going like, it's almost a scenario really similar to what Tim experienced with the bear that he was successful on. It's like that less is more get in late, wait for that wind to change. And like each bear I'm finding out, like each bear seems to be different. Each bait seems to be different for Eric and I, once we got, you know, the information from the cameras, we actually need to be getting in a ton earlier. That bear's coming in way early in the day broad daylight broad daylight hot um, sun don't I matter have, i would never have expected and there's him no to be shade over that. there like right but it there is a lot of thick undergrowth where a bear can just cruise under the bushes so yep. you will not see a bear nope. until it's on the bait no nope. which is really hard as a hunter to like keep checking a bait keep checking a bait you're because you have a whole basin you can glass yep. but you gotta like Always come back to the bait. And one of these times, when you least expect it, of course, the bear will be there. Yep. And, and you can't just look at it with the naked eye because no. you're not going to see it. Nope. Yesterday, we saw a moose at about 600 yards. Mm-hmm. And, that, and we, you know, we're glassing this landscape all day. And a, a bear isn't a small critter by any means. No. I mean, uh, like, they take up some space. It's not like you're looking for a fox. You know, yeah. they're way bigger. So anyways, we're anticipating what a bear is going to look like on the landscape. And all of a sudden we see this little black speck and immediately we're like, got to be a bear. Glass it, moose, 600 yards. That thing was a ant on the, yeah. on the opposite hillside. Really? And it, you know, Eric, so Eric and I are talking, I'm like, we always talk or sometimes we talk about like getting your game eye, you know? And I'm like, whoa, dude, if a moose at 600 yards looks that small, small, yeah, you know, what are we looking for when you're like potentially like, you know, right. an adult bear, but maybe like a 150 pound bear, you know, yeah. that moose is probably pushing. What are these gyrus around here? Wait, do you know on average, Dan? They're not Alaska. Right. So you can drop like probably four or 500 pounds off a lot. How much does Alaskan moose weigh? <sighs> Don't quote me. I know I was looking it up this last year. I think an adult mature moose, you're probably looking at about, I think a thousand pounds, maybe even 1200. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me. Yeah. Let's fact check this, Eric. I'm we doing can, it. We do. We have internet as of today at yeah, the cabin, like a right. which makes me ago. sad. A Six hundred to fourteen hundred pounds on a mature okay. shiras. Yeah, so moves. I would say a thousand pounds. Oh, so on a shiras. Yeah, they're saying that six hundred to fourteen hundred. Yeah. and that was on a that was a bull that we saw yesterday. Yep. Yeah. So it's like you really got to pay attention to how you're glassing and. And honestly, it, it is mentally taxing to sit there all day and pick apart the landscape. You know, over and, and over. Yeah. 
you know, like bait hunting might not be the most physically demanding thing until you shoot one. Well, and you it's have just to like whitetail hunting, yep. man. Like so many mind games go into some long sits on whitetail. Yeah, and this is harder for like I'm a huge whitetail hunter, and this is more mentally taxing on me because I can see more country. I feel like I should be seeing stuff, and when I'm not. You know, it's hard to stay like focused and yeah. and energized and motivated to keep glassing, but it is yeah. that important that you do need to be on it because uh, yeah. once that moose was in that hole, he was out of there in 20 seconds. Yep. Apply that to a really? bear. Yeah. And I've never seen bears really chill in that. We're you guys are in one of my probably my best bear hunting spot. And why is it so good? I don't know. It's very very remote. Yep. That's probably they just don't get messed with. But what's interesting like to bring it back to what we talked about earlier there's a lot of bears there, mm-hmm. but you guys saw, I don't know how many cows in there getting ready to drop calves. Yep. Yeah. I don't know why elk don't figure it out, but they're like literally overlapping each other. Yep. And so I just don't think it's the bear's fault. I don't think they set out to be like, I'm killing elk calves. I just right. think it's literally they're opportunistic. It's yeah. overlapping. Yep. And that's just the, the nature of the program. Well, and then you get a bear, you know, this is first week of June, right? So yep. fawns are dropping, calves are dropping. But these boars are on, it's bear rut right yep. now. So these boars, they're on the move anyway. So, I mean, it just, you know, I think by the odds mm-hmm. of, you know, them covering a lot of country, they're, you know, going to bump into things. Whether they're yep. actively pursuing that or not, I don't know. And I think these bears, like, are cruising all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think they're cruising, like, when the thermals are going up, I think they're cruising right above creeks yep. where they can, where a bear is going to bed down near a creek. Like, that, they have a huge coat. Temp's been in the low 80s. It's been yeah. really hot. It's yeah. kind of unseasonably hot for June in the mountains. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then in the at night, I don't know what they're doing, but you know they're feeding some, but they're definitely hooking up with ladies. And and I don't know how long a bear will be with the sow. I've I had a breeding pair together May second, and they were together all of May. Interesting. I, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, my my stepmom killed a giant last year, and he was with a sow like. First week in May. Wow. Just out of nowhere. Interesting. Crazy. You know, you were talking about, I'm circling back, but this popped into my head. I'm totally shifting gears, but I wanted to bring it up because I think it's kind of important. You know, we're talking about, you know, checking back in on the bait, check back in on the bait. And it, and essentially, when we were glassing, we weren't hunting, we didn't hunt bait yesterday. We were glassing just, you know, just a really good canyon. And just, you know, Eric brought up, you know, how that moose hit that gap and then was gone. And these bears, when they hit the bait, they come in. They're not necessarily camping out. No. no. So you could look away for five seconds. And I experienced this last year when that sow and her two cubs came in and she would dart in. The cubs were a little bit more brazen. You know, they'd hang out. Yeah. And like you said, she was super nervous. She would dart in and she'd be there for sometimes three seconds. Like stuff where you're like, it would, even if you were ready, it would be hard to get a shot. Yeah. Well, here's some observations I saw. Bears do weird stuff. They just do. You talk about hunting them over bait, and you talked about their vitals. Well, they'll put themselves into weird positions. Bears are very... Bears do yoga. They contort themselves. Telling you. Very much so. They're very, like, mobile. They move. But first day bear hunting, a bear comes in. There was, like, a biscuit down the hill. That bear sits down on its butt, like, 20 yards away from the bait, takes a bite out of the biscuit, puts it down. Takes a bite out of the biscuit, puts it down. Okay, so like a couple days later, a bear comes in, grabs like a biscuit out of the bait, walks off 15 or 20 yards, takes a bite out of the biscuit, like hangs out with it, circles back, does it again. So if you put that into our country, 
say that bear comes into any of these baits, comes in, grabs a biscuit, circles around. Next thing you know, it's in the alders or whatever, and you can't see it. No. Although it's still there, it's still smelling all of its surroundings. You just have to be on. You just have to watch. Yeah, I had a target bear that I've been hunting all month. And this was after I moved the barrel three times. He comes in to the bait a way he's never came before, a way I've never looked before. And I literally had my back kind of to the bait for a second. I was glassing across the canyon. And I look back and I watch him leaving the bait. And I about wanted to like punch myself in the face. And then when I pulled the card, he had been there for seven minutes. Mm -hmm. I never heard him. How far were you from the bait? 20 yards. 20 yards. I suck at bow hunting. (laughs) And that happened. And he's a target bear. He's a very mature boar. He came in from above with the wind going down. I can't tell you why or what, but it worked out. He got fed and he was out and I never got a shot. And that's 20 yards away from the bait. 20 yards. And now now think about you're 400 yards away like we're going to be this afternoon. I mean, it just reiterates how on point you have to be in your observation if you're going to shoot one of these things. Well, yeah. I like Dan set up, and you might take it for granted because you do it a lot, but you mentioned, hey, when I'm watching this bait from afar, I keep a spotting scope on it. Yep. So he can just creep into the spotting scope check his scope and then he can go glass the surrounding hmm. terrain. That's a smart So really, he essentially yeah. is keeping a spotting scope on the bait full time, right? Yeah. So I bring up, um, and that was, that's that 85 millimeter you guys have. I have it set up on a tripod and then uh, to my left and I can look about six miles total. Okay. And I just sit there all day in glass. Mm-hmm. I actually get a little bit of cell phone service there yep. and I just have to consciously check that back in. And in that spot, there's a lot of ravens. And ravens can help you or hurt you. Ravens are super smart. Like they can pick off humans. Mm-hmm. Like I'm laying, I'm pretty much, I'm hunkered down in the bushes. But if I were to stand up 400 yards away, the ravens would see me and fly off. I don't understand it. And um, I got pictures of bears on bait with the ravens right there. Like they, they might be working together. Like conspiracy theories. Conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, they sure. are. They're speaking. And so you have to like take that into consideration yep. and kind of nerd out a little bit yeah. and hunker in tight. You can't just be, oh, I'm 200 yards away at the wind in right. my face. Well, the bears might be keying in on the ravens. I know that bears key in on gunshots yep. in some areas for gut piles, uh, specifically grizzlies, but a lot of bears do. And then I think they key in on ravens when there's kills and stuff. I think they're yeah. like, I think um, when you want to talk about bear senses, that's one thing I wanted to cover was like, I will say that a lot of people will underestimate a bear's sense of smell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we've hammered that. I think their sight is definitely their weakest spot, but they can pick up motion. Yeah. So yeah. for those spot and stock guys, like if they pick their head up at all, you have to freeze. Even if you're in wide open country, if you just don't move, eventually they're going to look away and go back to feeding. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you can't get away with any movement when a bear's eyes are near you. And then as far as hearing goes, people don't talk about it, but in my experience, bear, bears can hear extremely well. Okay. And so you can't get away with a lot if you're in a stand or if you're making a stock on bears. You can't crunch stuff like you'd think. Like their their ears aren't huge, but they can smell really good and they're in tune with it. And so their eyesight being their weakest, that's what you want to take advantage of yeah. when you're trying to stock in on bears. So that makes perfect sense. I did have a question about the ravens because you're like, you know, they can help or hurt. So I actually lost a, a blacktail or sick a blacktail buck up in uh, southeast Alaska. 2016, I think that was. Just, you know, 2020 hindsight, like, we didn't move the meat 
far enough from the like the gut pile and the discard. Like it definitely wasn't right on top of it, but the cliff that we wanted to hang the bait off of, I call it a cliff. Like it was like a giant rock face, but it was like the highest one seemed the least accessible. But it was also just happenstance is not super far away from where the deer died. Probably like I don't know, hundred yards or so, something like that. So a little bit of a gamble. I guess my point is the first thing to find that were the ravens. And it didn't take but a couple hours. And there were bears essentially kind of all over it. And I just always, I kind of assumed by kind of watching that take place that the ravens are what keyed those bears in on. I mean, it's possible they smelled it, right? Yeah, but they key in on that, man. And you would if you spent as much time as a bear does in the woods. You'd be like, oh. There's potential food over there. So and that's what I was wondering, like, when you rebate, right, like, and those ravens get on it, even if you leave, like, I, I'm, I'd be curious to know if that's, like, an indicator to them. They're like, yep, that if they're in the area or they can hear that or see that or whatever, if they're like, okay, cool, I know, I know there's more food resources there and I'm going to go get them. Well, well, Rod's bait at the saddle bait, mm-hmm. when I've hunted it, because I'll hunt it with a bow and just try to sneak in. I will make sure that I get far enough away where the ravens will come back to the bait. You know what I mean? When they're there and chirping and making noise, I feel like that is the best scenario for a bear to feel cool and comfortable Mm -hmm. and come in and do a thing. Gotcha. That's part of that cat and mouse program. So I would not want the ravens flying off. Yep. You know, I want them back. You want them comfortable. Yep. Like you said, chirping. Because I have pictures of the bears feeding with the ravens feet away from the bear. Right. So it's probably like an all clear. Yeah. You know, they're like, cool, I can come out. I got one more question. Definitely don't need to wrap it right now, but I just want to get this one out. When you are selecting, like when you're like, I think this is going to be a good place to put a bait. Like you said, I know you make changes throughout and sometimes it takes hunting it and you got to sort out a lot of stuff after. But what are the things, what are the things that you're looking for off the go? And actually, Tim, now that you've done this uh, as well, like what, what types of things are you guys looking for, whether it's terrain features water, what is it that you says, yep, I want to put one here? I want the bear to be undisturbed, so I want to get away from roads. And not all roads are bad, but get away from main roads. Logistically, you're not going to be hiking in bait to a spot week in and week out, twice a week. I just don't see that being feasible. I could see a couple hundred yard hike, that's good. but So you're never going to be too far from a road. But I like to find an old spur road that dead ends on the edge of a cut that's up against dark, mature timber mm-hmm. with a okay. thick canopy where it's cool. I think bears understand that they are undetectable almost when light starts to fade. Yeah. yeah. Where everything looks like a bear. Yeah. That's when they are moving. And they know, that, I feel like that's what they know. They know that after that many years, they're undetected. Like they can really slither. Have you ever looked at the bottom of their paw? I mean, Tim, when you shot your first bear... That is like moccasins, man. They are silent. They when do they, not they, make sound. They do not make noise. So I think that if you can get somewhere where you can set that up, and then years ago I used to put tree stands. I really got away from putting tree stands. I'd like to be in a place where I can glass at minimum 400 yards away mm-hmm. but have an old cut road that I can make sure that the wind is going down at a crosswind or in my face, and I can haul butt to them and get set up and mm-hmm. make preferably a 20-yard shot without being undetected. And I've done that many times. And that's kind of my new favorite style. Mm-hmm. Is Which is pretty cool. That's like, it's like a, 
a bait and stock or like a spot and stock. I call it ground bait. and pound. Okay. It's I like not that spot even and stock. Mm-hmm. It's not sit in a tree stand, but it allows you to keep your scent out of that area, no matter how wide a circle they make. And, um, uh, we were talking earlier today. I'd like to eventually get to the point where I could set baits up one time er- early in the spring with mm-hmm. enough bait to last a full season and just keep my scent out of there. Don't run a camera. Just purely have it undisturbed mm-hmm. and have the bears do what they do. And the only time they ever smell somebody is when my scent's in there because yep. I'm gutting a bear out and getting the meat off. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So that's what I'd like to eventually get to. It's just really tough to do without horses or sleds when the snow's up in, in April. And that's what we're always fighting every year is where's the snow line? Yeah. How far yeah. can we get in? Man, that's awesome. To me, that sounds like it allows you to be like really nimble, right? Like you're not pot committed. Like you get in there super tight and you're like, the wind shift shifted like that sucks. You like might this, as well just this, get down. This might mm-hmm. be over for the night. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can. Like when you know. Bryce went in last night, I told him 630 and he was 30 minutes too early. And he's like, yeah, the wind was swirling in there. He might as well just left. Right. Yeah. Literally. Because hmm. you're like a bear could have been three, 500 yards up the hill and smelled him. Yeah. yeah. And they're just no. That's that's a that's a done deal. I'm yeah. not coming in till dark. Mm-hmm. So tonight that will be different, and uh, we're just gonna have him conservatively go in about an hour later. And even if he's like bears are already on the bait, great. Be a bow hunter, sneak in, ground right. and pound it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just take a long time to evolve to this, but that's what it's come down to is hmm. you know tree stands are overrated, uh, and when you do set up a tree stand, it has to be absolutely perfect. And you have to get into it at the exact right time, as yeah. Tim learned, or you're not going to see bears. Right. Yeah. I mean, you spoke to my bear baiting. I think next year when I'm selecting sites, what I'm going to try to do is reverse engineer the hunting scenario. So when am I going to be hunting and what's going to be most ideal for that scenario? So are the thermals falling down the hill? Is there... Dan mentioned bears circling and I think that is really a big piece of the puzzle that we could like lean into. Because if you can set yourself up in a scenario, he and I were BSing about this the other day, if you can set yourself up in a scenario where you remove that 360-degree circle and maybe make it 180 mm-hmm. or 270, you're stacking the odds in your favor. Massively. So if you can set up on a rock cliff with your back to the rock cliff and you know that you can't get up above you when the thermals are falling and sent you, you know, or whatever terrain features you can use to stack those odds in your favor, I think they're really important. So that's what I'm going to try to do. And to touch base on what you were saying, like trying to make your bait extend the longest, I think is super important. I think that's huge because realistically, I mean, we're working people. You can run baits as often as you can run baits, but you can't always run them as often as you want. So if you can extend that bait cycle out, if you can do things like what we were using this year was this like granola that we were stuffing in the can. So what they would do is they could pull out the bread. But then when the bread got done, there were still crumbs in the bottom they could scrape. So mm-hmm. that kept them coming back. And, uh, yeah, we were just using, like, a granola mix, and we'd throw some peanut butter and some honey and stuff in with it. And it was just this sticky stuff that sat down in the bottom, so they had to work for it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the baiting out here is really – I grew up in Michigan, upper Michigan, and a lot of people bear hunt. And the baiting out here is much more advanced, in at least in my opinion. A lot of the cans you guys use, it's very smart. You're basically – your you are tempering how much they can feed. Mm-hmm. So a bear can only go in and crush a handful. If you open that can or if you just stuff logs over your bait, that bear is just going to 
clear the logs and pig out. Mm-hmm. We had that happen. We had a bear bust in and it demolished our bait in like, I don't know, 24 hours. And when we did it right, we could extend it out. And we had a lot of bear activity. We could extend it out five or six days, maybe even seven. If we Isn't wanted. it amazing that a bear could like literally in a couple hours eat five gallons <laughs> of donuts covered in grease? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's 20 thousand plus calories in a couple hours they're binge so, eaters man they're crazy so like the 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 place i might hunt tonight when we set it up it had no bear tunnels no trails and right now if you were to go to the barrel and walk the bear path you would you would walk a complete 180 circle the all the bears enter this certain spot that's kind of where i watch i don't even watch the barrel i watch this spot they all go in and the bear trail goes half circle all the way around and it's broke down now. It wasn't even established and they all do the same route. They come up above and that way they get pretty much all the wind. They know what's going on. So you got to figure out how to get your wind to not there and when to be in to make sure your wind isn't going Mm -hmm. in there. It's insanely difficult. It is. You know, I'd I'd be curious to know, Tim, like you you talk about a bear that like if they just clear it out, right? Like I would think like they know like it's gone. So like I'd be curious to know like if they come back, I guess if they can kind of get, I guess for lack of a better word, like, you know, trained or conditioned to it, like, yeah. oh, there, there's, this is a consistent food source, but I think you, if it clears, if they're able to clear it out, I think you potentially, and I'm just uh, speculating, run the risk of them being, okay, I ate that, it's gone, I'm on my way. Is that a thing? Bears are it's definitely conditionable, or you can condition bears. A lot of people do it. They'll bang on drums, they'll ring the dinner bell, whatever. So bears are very smart and very observant. That's why we burn honey every time we bait. We just burn, I don't know, quarter cup of honey. Mm -hmm. It smokes everywhere, and then we drive off. We just try to create this scenario. And a lot of guys will have bears that just won't come in. They don't have the right wind, so they do tricks. Like they'll leave a shirt in the tree stand with their scent on it and get the bears conditioned to feed with that scent there. Or they'll get the bears conditioned to... You check your trail camera, and every time you come in and bait and you leave, mm-hmm. bears are there in five minutes. Then, well, then you have a buddy drop you off and drive out. You just have to figure out what it is that you're conditioning him to. Um, but the best way to kill big bears is to put yourself in a scenario where they cannot and will not get your wind. Yeah. And that's the hardest part. I would say right now, out of all our setups, we have about three out of five that are absolutely bulletproof, but we've had to evolve. Mm-hmm. And so tonight we're going to test our theories, but my dad's spot is still the best and it's got the biggest bear and he's just got to make a mistake and come in, but he has not, that bear has not smelled man Yeah. period. Mm-hmm. And so his days are numbered. If someone can just get lucky enough for him to come in during daylight and that's a lot of mature boars. I just don't know if they ever see the light of day. Right. They, that's how they've gotten so mm-hmm. old yeah. and mature. Yep. So he's got to make a mistake as a really good bear. And, People ask, like, well, how much does the bear weigh or how tall? Look, spring bears in Idaho, a 200-pound bear is huge. Right. 200 pounds of dead weight, mm-hmm. that's a big bear. There's not, like, four and 500-pound bears in these mountains. They're not – look at the to- topography. Yeah. Yep. They have to expend energy yep. to get energy. Well, and you're talking about a spring bear that's been, you know, they're coming out of hibernation. They haven't eaten for a long time. And and Eric and I were just talking about this yesterday because we were talking about the big bears that come out of Wisconsin. Just some huge stompers, like, you know, almost like unfathomable weights. But then we're talking like, well, we only get a fall season, right? Mm -hmm. So the bears that guys are taking in Wisconsin, they've been putting on the feed bag all spring, 
you know, all summer, yep. all, you know, going into fall, they're at their, they're at their peak. Yep. You know, so. Yeah. And they have a great age class. They're very stingy with their tags in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just don't think the bears have to expend as much energy to get energy. Totally agreed. Nope. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a numbers a game. Field. It's a numbers game. Yeah. You know, how much energy does it cost a bear to go up and down a canyon mm-hmm. all day? Yep. Yeah. I can tell you how much it costs me. It's <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. But well, why don't we, we do a little thing uh, called Last Calls on the Vortex Nation podcast here where we kind of uh, dive into like, you know, a final thought or if there's something that you want to bring up or a piece of insight or tip or whatever you got. Uh, as Jim always says, our guests always have the best ones. So we'll have you guys go last, but should I just go, Eric? I would just go. I'll just go. Just go, man. Here's just my figure, last call. Fig- figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. You'll figure it out. The more we'll figure it out. The more I've done this, which is twice now, the more I like it. And I think I like it more because I haven't been successful, oddly enough. Uh, success defined by, you know, getting a bear, a good opportunity to bear. It's just, it's just a really neat thing to make these adjust. It's just this interesting game of adjustment, adjust, 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 get it right. And then hopefully it, you know, hopefully you can make it work out. And then my other things, I always have multiple last calls. So hopefully I don't take anybody's. I really don't have allergies by (laughs) and large. Uh, this week I do. I don't know what you guys have popping out here, but if you're going to come out to this country and you do have allergies or think that you might, I'd bring some allergy meds because I've never had my, you may be able to hear it in my voice right now. Yeah. And, and hopefully uh, MC Ryan can edit out the 90 coughs that I've had throughout this podcast. He's pretty whiz at that. And bring some uh, bring some permethrin because the ticks are pretty off the charts right Man, now. Man, that's three. I did. I'm sorry. So wow. like I said, hopefully I didn't take it. But yeah. it's been on my mind. I want to make sure that... Yeah. It got said. So we've, nice. we've had a pretty serious tick sitch out here. Well done. But Eric? I mean, man, this is my first time ever bear hunting, ever being out in Idaho, and it's awesome country. And when you're thinking about, like, this kind of hunt, you know, especially if you are, like, thinking about, you know, going the bait route, you might underestimate how, like, prepared you have to be as far as, like, physically and, like, eating the right things, whatever. The second day of hunting here, I felt like crap. I couldn't focus on anything. I like slept all day and you're doing yourself a disservice. So like then yesterday, you know, we kind of woke up, we had more routine. We ate, we ate breakfast, you know, was ready to be alert all day. And that can make the the difference in the hunt, you know, like you're not going to expend a million calories, whatever, like hiking the mountains if you're sitting on a bait, but you still need to be sharp enough to watch the bait. And if you're not, you know, feeling right or whatever, it's a different kind of taxing that it does on your body than it would huck in the hills. So take care of yourself because otherwise you're going to end up missing an opportunity. Worst case scenario. You're going to be asleep for the five seconds when that bear comes in. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mr. Tim. I would just say, uh, get out in the spring and get out with your homies and get to a bear camp or get to a turkey camp because it's time in the woods. It's that, it's that time that you can't cheat. You're spending time, you're gathering data, you're learning so much. If you're a whitetail hunter, you get out in the turkey woods, you might find a spot. Um, get out with your people and do that sort of thing. Bear hunting is amazing. It's, it's been, it's really growing on me, but the second hand of that, the B is, I'm out learning elk spots as well. Last year in bear season, I found three really great elk spots that are now 
will be in my pocket forever. Mm-hmm. So it's time in the mountain. It's awesome. It's great to do it with people that you can share some camaraderie with right. and have fun. And yeah, I would say get out and do it if you can. And Idaho is super, uh, super manageable. The tag's not too crazy. They make it fairly non-resident friendly. Yep. You can get out and do it. Yeah. Cool, man. Wow. You stole mine. No, I was trying not to think about my answer. I was trying to listen to your guys's, but everything you guys said is true, especially the tick thing. Terrible, but uh, I mean, it's been it's been really bad. It We've, comes in waves. Too. Yeah, yeah. Double digit ticks is coming off yeah, in this camp. No doubt. But um, man, when the when when I came and picked you guys up at the airport, I've been busting my ass for six weeks. We were talking about a softball, and I think we all felt we we're just going to crush it. We, uh, my buddy from. Room 101 hooked us up with cigars and some pretty fancy gin. And we were already talking about framing the greatest picture of a campfire with bears, <laughs> scat rugs yeah. scattered everywhere, with bear meat on a stick, smoking yep. cigars. You know what? And now I'm actually glad that we're, we're coming down to the end of the hunt and we haven't killed a single thing. And we're actually having to get up really early, lose sleep, and work hard. You know what I mean? So I would say the greater the effort, probably the greater reward totally. and we'll see what happens after tonight but um my perspective changed a little bit i don't want a softball lob nope i want a curveball that i gotta sit back and wait yep. for and we've gotten that and uh, so i'm pretty excited to kind of have a perspective change a little bit and to have to work for it and hustle is my love language so we are going to have to hustle tonight and uh probably the rest of the hunt yep. and send you guys to back to Wisconsin completely drained and depleted and exhausted and no greater cause than bear management. So just appreciate you guys coming out. Yeah, man. We're glad to be here. It's been incredible. It's been phenomenal. So, well, yeah, our prediction of our guests always have the best last calls did not come up short and disappoint. <laughs> so, uh, Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Um, Thanks to all the listeners who got to join us on this one. And the cool thing is, it's not over yet. Thanks, everybody. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show. Maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you could take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.